The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world willing to put itself in the ground for 100 years. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and this is our annual Time Capsule episode. Yes, this is one of my favorite episodes of the year. This is where we officially close the book. This is more than closing the book. We are putting stuff in the ground, as they say. We are collecting all of our favorite items from the 2023 Major League Baseball season. And we figured that for this Friday, Thanksgiving weekend, holiday special episode, this was a great time to finally be done with the 2023 season. We will be in full offseason mode from here. I know we've been talking free agency, but we did not want to go too far into the winter without doing this episode. So for those unfamiliar, the concept of this podcast, which we've done a few times before, and I would encourage going back and listening to previous versions because they are very fun. We are going to come up with items to put in a time capsule that represent what happened during the 2023 Major League Baseball season. We are going to go generally chronologically. We will absolutely miss some things. Um, and you should please let us know, baseballbarbercast at gmail.com. There will be items, there will be storylines, there will be moments that are not represented. This one was a little bit more hastily put together than <laughs> years past, but we did not want to miss it. So we hope that we still deliver a fairly representative sample. And yeah, the rules are, it can really be anything. It's not just as simple as, oh, you know, we'll have some basic ones. That guy's bat, that guy's glove, but we can take anything we want. No human beings. Yeah, that's our only rule. Although I believe we've actually broken that rule in the past, <laughs> but, but we will uh, we will uh, take our, our you know we'll we'll be as as creative as possible and uh, we'll try to keep it keep it a little a little interesting and I think there'll be some moments as we were going back prepping for this we'll be like oh shit remember that so hopefully uh, you fine listeners will enjoy that part of it too so again let us know what we missed I'm sure there will every year we get great feedback before we get to the time capsule we are going to hit a couple bits of news. Um, so we'll do that quickly because, you know, Wednesday we debuted our first episode of Prospect Barbacast with Mike Farron. A lot of prospect talk, fall league talk. We did not hit a couple of the transactions that happened between Monday and Wednesday. We've had uh, a few more, of course, since then. Now we're recording this on Wednesday, but we don't anticipate anything else happening between Wednesday and Friday uh, because it's Thanksgiving. But we did want to hit in a couple bits of news before we dive into the time capsule. So let's do that quickly. The first thing, Jake, or, or is anything else before we, we knock this news out? Well, it should be noted that Reynaldo Lopez mm -hmm. can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com, which yes. is B-A-R-B-Cast. Yeah. Yes. 
Now, he he probably will have less uh, motivation to do so this winter now that he has signed a three-year, $30 million contract with the Atlanta Braves. This came out like minutes after we posted our podcast on Monday when you speculated, oh, maybe the Braves are going to go after Josh Hader. Uh, oh, what are the Braves doing? They're clearly being aggressive in the relief market. Well, here they are. Now, the weirdest thing about this is, I first of all, I love Ronaldo Lopez. Um, I remember seeing him in the minors with you when he was a starter, and that's relevant to the strange reports that came out immediately after he signed where the Braves people were like, yeah, they're considering stretching him out. Uh, and considering him as, as like a, as actually a starting option. And I was like, okay, I don't know. I mean, okay. Why? Like, what, what did you make of that? I was confused by that. Rosenthal said that. No, mo- mo- multiple yeah. people said that. Yeah. I, I just don't, I, I don't understand from like what, what, why? I, I guess like if you think you're, you can still turn him into a starter, that's fine. But I mean, he's a great reliever and he makes your bullpen one of the best in baseball. And I, I don't know why we're overcomplicating it. I think it makes sense because you never know how many guys are going to get hurt in spring or over the offseason or which pitchers in free agency you'll get or miss out on. And building up a guy to be a starter over the winter, it's simple to pull him back down from that. You can kind of – it's much easier to go from starter prep to reliever prep than from reliever prep to starter prep. So if you want to build him up to be a starter, you have to start that process soon. And so they're just giving themselves the ability to do that. I would be surprised if he starts this year for the Braves. Yeah. Yeah. I think this one's just interesting because it's like he was a starter and he wasn't a very good one. And then he, he's fine. The reason he's just got paid is because of how good he's been as a reliever. So yeah. I, I, I mean, this is a great fit. Like Braves adding to to what was clearly already been the strength in group. And, and Lopez is, I mean, the main thing to know with him, he's just throwing harder than ever. He basically, not that he wasn't throwing hard earlier in his career as a prospect, but this past year he was touching hundred with regularity, which he had really never been doing at any point during his career. What might be new about the situation for him is that Lucas Giolito may not be joining him. Giolito, who has been there every single step of the way with Reynaldo, they came up together with the Nats, traded to the White Sox together, sent to Anaheim at the deadline, and then joined the Guardians during the Angels player dump. They have never been on a team without the other one. Does this mean Lucas will join the Braves? Probably not. Probably not. But especially since they're talking about Lopez as a starter. I'm like, oh, well, that would that would be a good way to send uh, uh, Lopi back to the bullpen. But anyway, I mean, still totally plausible that they could sign Lucas. So we will. everyone made that joke, and we will make it again if he indeed signs there. Uh, two other speaking, interesting speaking of oh, yeah. Speaking of jokes. Mm. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> so the other thing we speculated about on Monday after we talked about Aaron Nola was how would the Cardinals respond? Cardinals seemed like a fantastic fit for Aaron Nola. And it seems like they were somewhat involved, maybe not super duper involved at the end. And ultimately it didn't matter. Aaron Nola wanted to go back to Philly. That's fine. That's not the Cardinals' fault. But we knew that the Cardinals were going to need to add starting pitching. They said, we need to add starting pitching. We need to add top-end starting pitching. And instead, they responded to Aaron Nola and said, oh, Aaron Nola throws a bunch of innings? I know a couple guys that can throw a bunch of innings. It's that simple, right? Boom. Lance Lynn reunion. Welcome back, World Series champion Lance Lynn. Oh, you gave up 500 home runs last year? No problem. Here's $10 million. Boom. Kyle Gibson. You also pitched a ton of innings this past year. We need innings. We need quality innings, which is why people are a little bit confused about this. We give Kyle Gibson, University of Missouri alum, 
He comes uh, back. He to Missouri, St. Louis. He will be on the Cardinals with Lance Lynn. And people were like, this is hilarious. Like, this is really, this is how you respond. Uh, these two guys are just going to eat a bunch of innings and get bombed. How do you feel about this? Because I, I, uh, I feel very strongly about one side of this. The chronology of the offseason is important. Is Bingo. this what you're going to say? Uh, slightly, yeah. Not the first point, but I, I was going to say that too, yes. So if the Cardinals sign Jordan Montgomery and trade for Cor- and or trade for Corbin Burns or whatever, and then they sign Gibson and Lynn at the end, people are like, oh, those are good supplementary like, moves. Nice, nice. Okay, nice. now we, we right. fill it nice in. Depth. Okay, very nice. But the order of operations here makes it feel very silly. A year after the Cardinals pitching <laughs> fell off a cliff and their strategy of throw a ton of strikes at low velocity turned into a bucket of home runs, going out and signing literally Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn, the patron saints of sponging up innings with a lot of home runs. It looks funny. It looks silly. It's easy to make a joke. They're both not particularly fun to watch, or at least weren't this past season. However, if there are other moves coming, these are totally fine. If there aren't other moves coming, it's a bit of a disaster. Yeah. And I think, I I think Kyle Gibson is honestly being under, I've come around on Kyle Gibson now, Lance Lynn is a more of an extreme case because of how bad it got, and and maybe it – I mean, it, it can't possibly be that bad again, but, like, it's still wild to see him get that much guaranteed money. And I think what was most concerning, I agree that the chronology makes it kind of not fair to judge it too too quickly, and I think that's accurate. At the same time, you know, John Mozeliak had a quote basically talking yesterday when they announced it where he was like, you know, they really wanted to be Cardinals, and we like them. And so we wanted to, you know, capitalize on that. And like, we wanted to make sure we kind of secured something so that we didn't look around and say, oh, you know, we don't, we don't have anything that I I get that logic, but like, there's still like 25 starting pitchers on the board more. If you include trade, you know, like this is one thing to, to say, like, I know you maybe missed out on Nola, but that that's like a pretty extreme thing to already be sort of admitting that you're worried about securing guys before thanksgiving when so much of the market is still not there and i know it seems like the market's now kind of moving so in that sense it felt a little aggressive but to your point it's still true i still expect them to add someone i think they are a fantastic glass now landing spot more than anything because i know they're going hard after yamamoto but that might be hard to could be the top bidder there but it's easier to just you know trading is like you just you got to put together the best package which I think they have the guys to do that, whereas they might not have uh, the funds to, you know, outbid the Mets or whatever for for Yamamoto. So we'll see with them. I, I think it's fine. I, I agree with you. It's just a sequencing, and and it deserves the jokes that they're getting. But it's not. It, we cannot, you know, completely crush them. I think Kyle Gibson is going to be. I think they they do make sense in in, lar- in a larger uh, scale. Uh, and then two other coaching uh, pieces of news before we get to our time capsule. Mike Schilt finally. Filling the final managerial opening of the offseason, we understood why this would be delayed um, after the passing of Padres owner Peter Seidler. AJ Preller introducing Mike Schilt in San Diego earlier this week. And I'm like, yeah, okay, this makes sense. Again, you you know that they want to have stability. It seems like Mike Schilt has really kind of ingrained himself in a lot of levels of the Padres. Dennis Lynn had a great story uh, today at The Athletic about how he was involved in a lot of their player development re- related stuff uh, with, in, you know, with double A San Antonio. And he it seems like he's not just been, you know, having come over from St. Louis. It seems like he's someone that has really earned the trust of a lot of parts of the Padres organization. And that is makes sense as as to why you, especially in a time of, of, of clear transition at the top, 
Um, unfortunately, uh, they they weren't going to try and bring in a total outsider for a situation here. When the going gets tough, go with the Frank Sabatka lookalike is what yeah. I always say. Schilt's tenure in St. Louis ended kind of bizarrely with ideological disagreements forming the, the basis for that kind of that relationship falling apart. They went to the playoffs the year that he got the heave-ho, and then they brought in Ali Marmol. Schultz firing at the time was definitely a surprise. I think he is a fine big league manager. Yeah. We've made the point many times. There are five elite guys, five that are bad, and then everyone else is just kind of around mm -hmm. um, doing their best. And I think Schultz is in that middle group until I learn otherwise, which is fine. Like yeah. That's the Padres need a little bit of stability. It's not too much of a departure stylistically, I think, for Bob Melvin. I think that it is important that Schilt has earned the trust and the respect of a lot of different types of people in the organization because the biggest issue with last year is the communication was just bad all over the place. Yep. And so hopefully that's going to be better going forward. And the last yep. move from earlier in the week, the Yankees hiring Brad Osmus as their bench coach. Weird. This is a weird one. Osmus was the manager of the Tigers and then the Angels, neither of which went particularly well. And now he will be the right-hand man for Aaron Boone. He was the bench coach in Oakland uh, in 2022, just for one year. I had completely forgotten about the Angels' hot sec there um, between Sosha and Madden. Like, that just had completely... I that I, I but but again the fact that you could have two very unsuccessful managerial tenures and then end up as a bench coach is, is interesting in some ways he's qualified but it's also as like is he's the best guy I'm sure we'll get some reporting about his connections with Boone Cashman whatever he's been in a ton of different front offices like clearly baseball people like Brad Osmus despite the poor results so I don't want to make too much of this but you know I'm sure there are some people that that will, and then at some point this season, they, they you know they they will they will do that. And he's Jewish. That's true. That's true. I'll meet hey Brad if you're listening. I'll meet you at Bonnie Greengrass on the upper upper west side. Right. You you just might. You just might. That, that, that's good. You can uh, enjoy some you know enjoy Me? some schnitzel together and 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 explain why schnitzel <laughs> Jordan Jordan. There's no meat at Bonnie Greengrass. It's dairy only. It's oh, the Sturgeon okay. King. Please relax. I'm not familiar. Uh, <laughs> Me, Scott F. Ross, and Brad Ospice will sit down at Bonnie Greengrass and enjoy ourselves Lovely. some sturgeon. Okay, let's take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll pop open a hole in the ground and throw a bunch of crap in it. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a brand new housekeeping note about our merch. Basically, we have a bunch of new stuff. So if you've been looking for a baseball barbercast themed beanie or bucket hat, or even a t-shirt with one of those cool pockets on the chest, well, you can stop looking and start buying because they're all available right now, just in time for winter. Just go to podswag.com baseball and don't leave yourself clothesless this winter. That's P-O-D-S-W-A-G.com slash baseball. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. Jake Mintz, George Schusterman. Let us begin the time capsule process to review. It's very simple. Picking objects from the 2023 season that we feel encapsulate and represent important, notable moments from the year that was. And we must begin, as always. No. We must begin, as every four years, with the WBC. 
Yes. And so we are going to go chronologically here. We are not going to do anything from last off season. So if you're wondering like Correa, you know, medical review, no, we're not going to do that. We, we are we're keeping it to the action on the field, but we will begin before opening day with the world baseball classic in past years. We've done a very specific number of items. I think we've just done a random list. So we're going to go quickly and we are going to begin, as you mentioned, uh, with the world baseball classic and we must begin of all places in Taiwan, <laughs> this is where our time capsule begins. Because if you recall, one, if you were waking up for these games, you know that the World Baseball Classic energy began long before Shohei Otani was facing off with Mike Trout. And we are going to do the thunder sticks that were used at Tai Chung International Stadium when Yu Chang, who went on to have a completely forgettable season with the Boston Red Sox, became an absolute international baseball legend with multiple home runs, stadium shot, rocking home runs. And those highlights, I cannot recommend you going back and watching them enough. If you need some baseball energy for you on, on this holiday weekend, go watch Yu Chang hitting dingers in Taiwan. So we'll put some of those thunder sticks into the capsule. Lars Newtbar, one of the biggest stories of the WBC. We're going to use his Google Translate app. Might as well just throw the whole phone into the capsule at that point. He is an American-born player with Japanese heritage. He played for Japan in the WBC, the first American-born player to do so. Uh, Lars does not uh, speak Japanese, is my understanding, correct? Uh, he just, well, definitely not fluent, but it's by the end of the tournament, he sure was getting better, was uh, rattling off a good, a good amount of phrases. You know, he was doing some pump up speeches for Team Samurai Japan. He was a big part of their team on the field, off the field, everything. And, and it's still so. I mean, I think he's still, he's currently, you know, recruiting Yoshinobu Yamamoto to the Cardinals. Like all these things, he became such a big part of the WBC story and particularly Team Japan, who, of course, went on to win it all. And for him, because remember, Japan, they started their tournament in Japan. And that means that Lars Nupar had to take, say, sorry, Cardinals, I'm I'm dipping out on spring training because I got to go play for Samurai Japan. And he he just became one of the biggest stars of that tournament. But how he communicated with his teammates, was it Google Translate? Was it a number of other uh, language learning apps? We will never know. But we will take his entire phone and we will throw it in our time capsule. Other th <laughs> I would yes. love to throw the Duolingo owl into the ground with perfect him. uh well now while Lars Nupar certainly needed his passport to travel uh overseas to play for Team Japan Trey Turner did not however we're just going to take Trey Turner's passport which was not required for this tournament but we're going to as, as a sign of international baseball we're just going to take his passport sorry Trey and we're going to put it in our time capsule because Trey Turner another star of this tournament with his um incredible grants I mean whatever he had like four or five six home runs unbelievable start to his season. And we wanted something Trey Turner in general. We, you know, we could have had something with a standing ovation later, but Trey Turner is represented the way that his season began in this tournament was unforgettable, particularly for team USA. I just want something that encapsulates Trey Turner in America. And mm. there's really nothing quite like his passport. <laughs> uh, speaking of America, they lost the USA getting downed in the final against Japan. So we're going to take Shohei Otani's hat that he spiked to the earth after striking out Mike Trout to end the game. And one of the most memorable showdowns in the history of the sport, this moment will never be replicated. And we're going to keep it simple and throw Shohei's hat from the ground into the ground. <laughs> Further into the ground. Uh, more Otani stuff coming. We got our whole Otani free agency special coming 
next week when I'm sure we will talk about that moment a little bit more. All right, Jake, let's go to the regular season. Not so regular anymore because there's a pitch clock, Jake. What? There's a pitch clock. And how are we going to signify the pitch clock in our time capsule? There, well, it's very simple. On opening day, Marcus Stroman was pitching against the Brewers. And Bryce Terang was on second base. And Marcus Stroman took a little bit too long. Took a little bit too long. This is something that would happen, uh, especially earlier in the season. Pitchers were just taking too long. And so what would happen is uh, what happens when you take too long and you're pitching in the pitch clock era. The umpire will step out from behind home plate and he will point at his wrist, his fake clock watch, and he will say, that's not quite quick enough, sir. And the home plate umpire for that game was Ron Culpa. Ron Culpa, who has been a major league umpire for quite some time. And so we are going to take Ron Culpa's actual watch, wherever that is, that was keeping time and signified the first pitch clock violation in Major League Baseball history, at least in the regular season. We know we had a bunch in spring. Ron Culpa's watch, Marcus Stroman, our first defender, you are going in the time capsule. Here is a much less important moment, but one that made me chuckle quite a bit. On opening day in Houston, Megan the Stallion, throughout the first pitch at Minute Maid Park. And who caught it? None other than, than uh, David, Hen- David Hensley, who uh, turned out to not be a vital member of the 2023 Astros, struggled quite a bit at the plate, did play a lot on the 2022 team, e- even into October. He was like starting in October. But there is the clip, David Hensley catching the first pitch, giving Megan the Stallion a hug, uh, and staring at her butt. So we're going to take Megan the Stallion's tight pants from that day and put mm-hmm. them into the time capsule. Megan, thank you for um, just like the, the, the gap in fame mm-hmm. in that hug is just mm-hmm. unbelievable. Like yep. Megan the Stallion is a top, probably like a top 15 pop rap, hip hop, mm-hmm. public music star in the world mm-hmm. now, if not in America. And uh, David Hensley. He's not that. He's not, he's not that. He's not that, but it was an amazing moment. I will eternally be fascinated by how who catches the first pitch gets determined. I like to think that it was the the rest of the team being like, you know, what would be the funniest person to catch this? David Hensley. But maybe David Hensley, maybe David Hensley's a massive Megan the Stallion fan, and I, I don't know. David Hensley, who slashed 220, 365, 356 in 293 plate appearances in AAA this year. Well, that's the thing, and I I just remember being fooled because of how good he looked at the end of 2022. When he catches the first pitch from Megan the Stallion, I'm like, oh shit, like, here we go. Yeah. Like, this this is continuing. He's going to carry this momentum. Instead, that turned out to be the highlight of his season. We move 10 days into the season when your Baltimore Orioles, little do we know how good Jake's Orioles would be. But on April 10th, Ryan Mountcastle cleared Baltimore, not mm. an easy task, launched a home run over the left field fence the farther left field fence than any fence we have and how do the orioles celebrate jake how did they celebrate with a bong the dong bong the home run celebrations were a buzz at the beginning of the season there were good ones there were really bad ones i just a quick shout out to the detroit tigers one which is an embarrassment putting on other sports gear is the funniest red wings yeah that's true the red wings one and then the White Sox one where they were dressing up as like a mobster. But remember, it looked like an Orthodox Jewish gentleman on the way to Shull. It's just weird. But the Orioles one, the dong bong was great. 
It was the beginning of an enormous Orioles water theme that involved sprinklers for doubles, that involved Mr. Splash in the outfield. So without the dong bong, the Orioles season would have been just regularly wonderful and not a waterworks of joy. So the dong bong will be entering the time capsule. Yeah, we had, and like you said, this will kind of stand in for, because this was our favorite celebration. Um, This has to stand in for uh, all of them, all of the ones that we saw, whether it was the helmets, the trident, you know, the we got the whatever the cheese heads we got the uh, oh, I, I will say that the the twins home run jacket, the the land of 10,000 rakes. That's that was pretty sweet. There's some good ones, but the Orioles were uh, the, the, especially with the terminology. We are going to go indeed with the bong of dongs. We keep it in the AL East as on April 13th, the Tampa Bay Rays moved to 13-0. and The Rays were 13-0 and to start the season. This turned out to be the longest win streak of any team this year, winning 13 in a row. And on April 13th, they closed out a blowout victory in Boston, or sorry, against, uh, against the Boston Red Sox with a gentleman named Braden Bristow. Braden Bristow, who was making his major league debut, they had won, again, this is the team, the best team in baseball. They've won 12 in a row, and here they are. They're throwing out a guy, Braden Bristow, in his major league debut. He throws three scoreless innings against the Red Sox, gets the classic three-inning blowout save in his major league debut. And that is the last time we saw Braden Bristow with the Tampa Bay Rays. So we're going to take Braden Bristow's Tampa Bay Rays jersey, which was never used again, and represented the end of a 13-0 start, a historic start to a major league season. And we will take that Braden Bristow Rays jersey symbolic of how the Rays were just winning with people you'd never heard of. That is what they've been doing for a long time. It was a big part of their start of their season. So Braden Bristow, your jersey will take uh, a journey into the ground uh, where it is no longer needed in Tampa Bay. Speaking of minor leaguers. Yes. Let us now discuss Drew Maggi. Mm. Drew Maggi, who had been in the minors, in the high minors for about seven presidencies was finally called up to the big leagues at the age of 33, going from Altoona, the double-A affiliate for the Pirates, up to Pittsburgh for his April 26th debut. He went two for six during his time in the big leagues with two singles before being sent back down to double-A. He was horrendous there and was released by, by the organization on July 23rd, but he did get his moment in the sun, and we are going to take his gas receipt from that drive from Altoona to Pittsburgh, it's too close to fly. I don't believe he would have taken the train. And so we're just going to use the gas receipt uh, from when he stopped off at the sheets or whatever. The, the question for that really for the gas receipt, and I, and I love this item, is when did he get that reimbursed? Because – you know, once he gets to Pittsburgh and he's like, oh, my God, I'm finally making my major league debut. He debuts. Remember, he gets to debut and then it's like, oh, you know, I think he struck out. And then it was like, damn, you know, that was it. But then he played two more times. He got two hits a couple days later. Amazing stuff. So I just want to know when that reimbursement happened. If I ever. think af- after he got released because he's like, oh, sh- damn, oh, I, need shit. I need I need that. I need you know, that 40 bucks. Damn. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's so that's funny. Uh, April 26th was also the day that Steve Cohen, owner of the New York Mets, looked down at his baseball team and the patches that his team were wearing and said, what What are we doing? Well, guys, we are the Mets. We have blue, our, b- blue, blue. That's our color. Why is our patch for, what is it? I believe Presbyterian Hospital. 
Again, this was the first year that we had jersey patches on uh, Major League Baseball uniforms. Many people, you know, when this was announced, this is a disgrace. I'll never watch the sport again. This is horrible. Capitalism's ruining our sports. Like, it's is it? Does it look stupid? Yeah, it does. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. Uh, there so are bigger this problems. Case, though, this there, was a, a, the funniest version of this. There are bigger problems with capitalism <laughs> than uh, a patch on the jersey. However, the Mets patch was too large. Yes. And too miscolored for Steve Cohen's liking. And so he put his foot down and like the famous was losing their mind. And Steve was like, I got this. I'm got a real you. owner. I got this. Next week, the colors of the patch were blue and orange like the Mets. And they were half the size. So we're going to take one of those original large mm. patches that were bigger than the new bases. I mean, they were so big. They took up so much space <laughs> on the arm. We're going to put one of those into the capsule. Uh, all right. Our next item. Incredible. Will represent oh, the Chicago White Sox. The Dead Sox. Jake Mintz. These White Sox started the season a cool 7 and 19. Not going to do it. After getting absolute this is when I think this is amidst like a 10 or 11 game losing streak. And a gentleman by the name that's this is not actually his name. His name is I believe Rob but for the purposes of sports radio, Birdo from the West Side calls in to sports radio in Chicago and unleashes a rant for the ages about the incompetency of the Chicago White Sox organization. This ultimately proved true enough to where they finally moved on from Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams. But this was just the beginning of what would be a truly catastrophic season. On the south side, so many losses, so much horrible, embarrassing baseball, which Chris Getz is now tasked with reversing in some form. But this rant that he delivered at the end of April is so amazing. So what item are we going to do uh, to to honor this? He would not have given that rant on ESPN Chicago 100 a.m., 1000 a.m., if he had not had his coffee that morning, because this was a man who was fired up. Fired up beyond belief. And you can't get fired up unless you get beamed up. So we're going to take Birdo's morning coffee mug and put it in our time capsule. Congratulations. We move on to, oh, whoops, uh, this is slightly out of order. A couple weeks or or a week earlier in April, Mookie Betts, who was in the midst, uh, again, we know Mookie Betts ended up having an amazing season. He ends up finishing second in MVP. And part of the reason why he ends up finishing second in MVP is because uh, early on in the season, the Dodgers were like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is we our infield kind of sucks ass. And Mookie's like, no problem. I got you. I'm Mookie Betts. I've been playing right field forever. I uh, used to play second base. I can play shortstop. Cool. No problem. I'll just start a shortstop uh, in the big leagues and do that regularly. I'll play second all the time. Oh, you need me to go back to right? Okay. No, not a big deal. I'm Mookie Betts. I'll keep hitting. I'll have a career high in home runs. I am just I am the shit. I am Mookie Betts. And so we will take Mookie Betts' infield glove from the day he debuted at shortstop this season. On April 23rd. And we will take that infield glove. Hopefully he has another one because I would like to watch him continue to play infield. But for the purposes of this time capsule, we will take that infield glove, which was so important to his absolutely sensational season with the Dodgers. And we will put it in the time capsule. From one all-world player to another. Bryce Harper's Tommy John recovery and the speed with which he came back from that elbow surgery was one of the most remarkable storylines of the season. He got that elbow sliced open after the Phillies World Series run in 22 was over, and he was back by May 2nd, DHing in the major leagues, a comically quick comeback. So we are going to put 
the big Philly fanatic themed green arm brace that he was putting on every time he reached first into the time capsule. At the beginning, it was a problem with the pitch clock because it took him time to like get the brace on. And so he had to like practice putting it on as quick as he could. And he he, like they, the MLB denied giving him more time to put it on. And there was like a play where you didn't get it on in time. And so that green brace, I will remember for a while. That is a a great item. And yes, the, the Bryce Harper return, uh, just a legendary stuff, no matter how the Phillies season ended up going. Our next item, also early May, this will represent the Cardinals' dysfunction. We talked about the White Sox' horribly disappointing season, but that is a franchise we are used to embarrassing themselves. The Cardinals, not so much. But this was a truly horrible year for the St. Louis Cardinals. And one of the moments that was like, oh man, this, this is not going well, is on May 6th, when the Cardinals were like, hey, remember the only guy we signed in the offseason, uh, Wilson Contreras, to be our franchise catcher? Yeah, he's not going to catch for a while. We actually don't. Mm. We don't want him. He's just going to DH. And so credit to Wilson Contreras, credit to the Cardinals. This was resolved fairly shortly uh, by the end of the month where he became he started catching again and he ended up having a great offensive season and he was fine. And then the Cardinals fans ended up liking him. But this moment when they were like, yeah, that guy. No, he's sorry. Can't he? He's not. He can't do this. He can't catch. Like, what What the fuck's going on here? What the fuck's going on? They gave a dude, what, 80 mil and then yeah. put him in timeout? Yeah. It, it was Bold embarrassing on, on all fronts. I felt bad for Wilson strategy, Contreras. strategy, Cotton. Uh, and so what are we going to put in? We're going to put in Wilson Contreras' pitch com, which was confiscated from him because he was a DH for those few weeks. I said, sorry, you you got to earn this pitch com. If you want to do this, you got to learn the cardinal way of calling pitches. And eventually he did. So credit to him. But it was still a very embarrassing moment in a other in a generally embarrassing season for the St. Louis Cardinals. Confiscated is such an aggressive word to use there, but I think it is the right one. Let's keep the misery in Missouri and head across the state to Kansas City, where we will break into the home of Royal starter Jordan Lyles. We will tiptoe into the kitchen. We will take one fork, one knife, and one spoon, and we will bring it back to our time capsule because nobody did more munching of innings than Mr. Lyles. And everybody knows you can't munch without silverware. On May 9th, Lyles posted a complete game loss against the White Sox, a very rare feat in today's day and age. And so, Mr. Lyles, you are immortalized forever, thanks to your cutlery. Jordan Lyles leading the league this year in both complete games and losses and runs allowed, earned runs allowed, uh, leading the league in earned runs allowed for third, three of the last four years. He has not missed a start in three years. He has made 30 starts for three different teams over the past three seasons. And I cannot wait to see. Oh, I guess he's still with Kansas City. It was a two-year deal. Holy shit. So he'll do it again in 2024. Jordan Lyles, keep on munching. Speaking of munching, oh, these transitions are beautiful. May 22nd. We just talked about this moment recently, Jake. Patrick Sandoval. Posts on Instagram a photo of his teammate, Shohei Otani. Ever heard of him? Eating yeah. a bag of Funyuns. And we are going to find that bag of Funyuns that Otani presumably finished and discarded into his, I don't know what, trash can somewhere. We're going to find that Funyuns bag. And we're going to put it in our time capsule because this moment, amidst an MVP season for Shohei Otani, somehow got people even more excited than uh, the home runs and the pitching. <laughs> So that is a funny. couple of couple of different thoughts here. Mm-hmm. 
I want to talk about the logistics of this Funyun bag. I want to dive into this deeply. You have the Funyun bag, you're eating it at your seat and you finish the bag, okay? A couple of different things can happen at that point while you're still on the bus. One is that you can just leave it on the ground and assume that other people are going to pick it up for you. That is certainly not what Shohei Otani did. No shot. No chance. This is not the move. Um, another option is that there are trash bags on the back of each seat on this bus, and he put the bag into a larger bag. Then there is the crumpled it up, put it in your own backpack or suitcase or whatever, and threw it away later in the day. Or there's he carried it out and disposed of it at the front of the bus. What do you think happened? I think I think the latter. I think I think we 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 chucked it outside uh, outside the hotel. That's my guess. Now I don't know if we know exactly we don't know exactly when this photo was taken. This is when the photo was posted. Um, we don't know exactly when he was eating these funyuns, but I, that's my guess. I'm guessing he 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 would not leave it. He would not put it in his bag. I think he's just disposing. It. Steps off the bus. Boom. I think it's like one of those moments. He's you know. From downtown, you know, 20 feet away, Shohei, just like perfect shot, you know, crumpling up the Funyun bag. Or you don't think it would be able to fly that much? No, no. Yeah, it's not flying through the air like okay. that, Jordan. No chance. Right, fair enough, fair Shohei Otani turns Funyuns into respectians and does not litter one bit. Speaking of fun, Ellie De La Cruz entered uh. our big league lives in the beginning of June. Just before that, there was a whole discussion about trading Jonathan India in which uh, college football analyst Kirk Herbstreet uh, got on the Internet and talked a bunch of shit about Ellie De La Cruz. And then Ellie De La Cruz came up and invigorated the city of Cincinnati and its love for baseball almost single handedly. Mm -hmm. Now, his final line at the end of the year was somewhat underwhelming. There is a lot that he needs to improve in his offensive game. But what a highlight, guys, are that man. Yeah, oh. I, again, feel so fortunate that I was able to be around the Ellie De La Cruz experience in Cincinnati for much of the season. And the item we're going to put in is the shirt he was wearing after hitting his first home run of his career on June 7th, debuted on June 6th, June 7th. He takes Noah Syndergaard almost out of the stadium entirely. And afterwards, he goes to the Jeff Ruby Steakhouse in Cincinnati, a staple of Cincinnati culture. And you see him with the owner. Uh, you know, smoking a cigar after his first home run. But, you know, what do you wear to a fancy steakhouse, Jake? Do you, do you dress up? You know, you may make sure you want to be, be classy for the steakhouse. No, no, you don't do that. No, you wear a caricature of a cartoon. <laughs> you do. I like to Cruz, a shirt, which I saw him wear multiple times during the season, a shirt with a picture of a brat, the Bratz dolls, which are, I believe, older than Ellie Dela Cruz. Why is Ellie De La Cruz wearing a Brad shirt? I don't know, but it's one of the funniest pictures I've ever seen. And it was a great example of, of, of one of the many things where I looked at something Ellie did and I was just like, what, what is happening here? What, what is going on? There were so many moments when he stole three bases uh, against Milwaukee, three straight bases. He hits for the cycle against the Braves. He's got uh, just so much insane shit. He is not a perfect player. He has a lot to improve on to be a good major leaguer. But my goodness, he was fun to watch. Fastest player in baseball, best arm in baseball, all these things. He was amazing. Speaking of eating, oh, let's baby. head down to Joyzy. This is a little bit more humble, humble eating. <laughs> than a little the humbler. Uh, June 12th, Anthony Volpe, Jersey's own childhood Yankee fan, debuts with the Yankees, wins the job in spring training, and then is ass for he the sucks. first two months of the season with the Bronx Bombers. On June 12th, he gets dinner with friend and Yankees minor leaguer Austin Wells 
who offers him a hitting tip. What was it? Doesn't really matter. Uh, what does matter is that they were eating chicken parm at the time, as reported by MLB.com's Brian Hoke. So we're going to go to that restaurant and we're going to buy the chicken parm and we're going to put it into our time capsule. I actually, if I, I could be wrong, I thought it was like a home cooked meal. I thought it was, I'm pretty sure it was like at the Volpe household. Oh, interesting. Um, where it was like he had had his friends over. He's off day. Again, his OPS had sunk to 605 against the Red Sox the day before. It's like, we got to get right. Austin Wells is still in double A at this point, right? He's in Somerset. So it's like, I got to go hang out with my old minor league friends. Like, let's let's chill. Let's relax. Let's have chicken parm. And then he he went off. Like, his best offensive stretch of the season was over those next few weeks. So we're going to get some of that, of that chicken parm. Probably pretty gross by now. But we are going to get it and put it in our time capsule. The next day, Jake, let's go across the country to Oakland, California. You may have seen that the A's fans, not a fun year for them, but there was one night where they get to show their displeasure, their discontent, their frustration, their anger, all justified towards owner John Fisher and the Oakland A's who are on their way out of town. The reverse boycott on June 13th, the Oakland A's having an absolutely packed house in the Coliseum for the only time all season, essentially, except for a few Giants games. And this game with a packed house and the A's, I believe, in the midst of a winning streak, right? If I if I recall this correctly. Is it yes. W7 or W8? W7. Th- this ended up being a W7 this Tuesday against the Rays. And they close out a one-run uh, victory. Uh, against Tampa Bay. And it was just, I mean, it was amazing. So, of course, we're going to take one of the many sell the team shirts that fans were donning across uh, those stands, those bleachers in that stadium. And uh, we will remember them because uh, that is that was an, an incredible moment. And I think one that will truly, once the A's are long gone, sadly, I mean, again, we can still hope it doesn't happen. But I think that that, that game will really stand out in baseball history. And the sell shirts specifically popping up all across the baseball world over the course of the season was cool to see that level of solidarity across fan bases to see fans kind of stick up and speak out for the A's fans who are getting shafted by their greedy owner. Let's go down the coast to San Diego where the Padres had a wet fart of a 2023 season where the vibes were amiss from the jump. Jordan on June 30th, you were at what you claim to be the bottom of the Padre season. Please do explain. Yes, I do believe that I saw the nadir. This is when the Padres had arrived in Cincinnati, having gotten swept in Pittsburgh by a Pirates team that had fully come back to earth by then. This is at the end of June. And they come to Cincinnati and they're playing a close game against the Reds, who were playing exceptionally well at this point. And then... It's a close game, and Trent Grisham hits a home run in the sixth to go up, but eventually they squander the lead. They lose in extra innings. This was a theme of their season. They were winless in extras for the first like five months of the year, and this was one of them. They get walked off. Spencer Steer walk off home run in the 11th, and I just remember being in that clubhouse even before that game. It was bleak, not to mention what it was like the next day. I true, and they ended up winning the next day on Saturday. But that loss, that extra inning walk off loss to fall to thirty seven and forty five. I know they made it all the way back in September to still technically be in the mix, 
But that was just like, I knew there is no shot for this team. This team, it is not happening. For all the hope we held out for them, it was just not going to happen. And that loss was the bottom. So what letter were you going to put in? Now, one of the part of home run celebrations we sort of referenced is that they, which they carried over from 2022, was to take Polaroids in the dugout after someone Cute. hits a home run. Cute. Now, the home run that Trent Grisham hit in this game to take the lead, I we did not ever see the Polaroid. I think that was a smart move by the Padres social, but I am confident that they did take it. I'm confident that this photo was taken because even later on in the season when they were, you know, winning against bad teams and they were down in the standings, it didn't matter. They were still posting these Polaroids. There was the next day, even when they won, they were like, boom, Polaroids, let's do let's celebrate it. And we've been very clear. We said it with the A's celebration. You should celebrate these things. I don't care. Like, I'm not going to tell people how, how to celebrate or not. But for them in particular, the team with those expectations to have the Polaroid of a home run that ultimately ended up meaning nothing like many of them did this season. We are going to take that Polaroid of the Trent Grisham home run, and we are going to put it in our time capsule. One more before we take a break. Let's go to the all-star festivities in Seattle. And with all due respect to Elias Diaz, not a particularly memorable game yep. itself. And so we're going to pick the enduring image from All-Star Week, which was Adley Rushman in the home run derby, hitting from the left side, hitting from the right side, our man did the impossible he switched plates <laughs> what does that mean what do you mean he switched plates? that's a weird why would what that's not what you that's not how you say that who are you talking about there was an espn tweet from that night of adley rushman going from one side of the plate to the other that said like adley rushman on fire he switches plates to hit you know his 15th home run of the derby he it was like and he switched plates he you know. switched plates yeah he switched plates Again, ESPN broadcasts the Home Run Derby. Like, this is their thing. This is, like, one of their events. Yeah. You switch plates. So, anyway. We're so, going to here's take my take. Here's yeah. my take. This happens sometimes. Whoever said he switched plates is not a baseball person. <laughs> That's fine. With all due respect. That's okay. However, it's an awesome phrase, and I'm going to use it all the time moving forward. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, it was really that he switched plates during, like, mid-round, right? That That's what he did. And, you know, I know he didn't even end up winning the Derby, but he it really was a, an enduring image and something I think we've wanted to see from switch platers for a while. So we're going to take the plate. Now, if you watch back, there there does appear to be a an additional home run Derby plate kind of plate placed on top of the regular uh, home plate. And so we're just going to take that because that's the plate that he switched. So Yeah, we're going to switch that plate. Into, into the it. capsule it goes. Alright, Jake, let's take switched. a break, an all-star break. And we return the second half in the postseason of our time capsule for 2023. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Switch Platers. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Sh- 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 Switched Your Plates. <laughs> Let's move to July 19th after Ugh. the All-Star break. But we're going to stay in Seattle mm. where Jared Kelnick, Mariners outfielder, who after a couple of disappointing seasons as a uh, very hyped prospect, kind of put some things together in 2023. Looked a lot better at the plate, but then he tried to play some soccer. The yeah, unfortunate I, part is that yeah. the ball was a cooler <laughs> full of stuff. 
Uh, right. Telling like amazing in April. It's like, oh, holy shit. Look at this. It's happening. It's happening. Kind of cools off. But he's doing okay. And then right after the All-Star break, he's facing Yohan Duran. Has like a 10-pitch plate appearance at the end of the game. Just, br- I mean, again, it's like, what the fuck are you supposed to do? It's Yohan Duran. He's, he's impossible to hit. But this was the strikeout that sent Jared Kelnick over the age of frustration. He kicks a Gatorade cooler. He breaks his foot. He's out for a month. And that cooler that has been damaged, but not as much as Jared Kelnick's foot, we will take that cooler and we will put it into our time capsule. Ultimately, you know, this is when the Mariners are actually playing well. You know, the skid doesn't happen until September. But by the time Kelnick comes back, it is way too little too late. The Mariners season goes in the toilet, but we still have a little bit more Mariners stuff here coming up. But let's go to the trade deadline, Jake. What was the biggest story of the trade deadline? It was probably the Mets trading two future Hall of Famers in the span of 48 hours. And how did that happen? Why did that happen? We know the Mets were a disappointing season, but it was really the trade on July 28th of David Robertson that shook the core of the Mets clubhouse that had the people on this roster looking around and wondering, you traded our closer? What does this mean for me? That's what Pete Alonso felt. That's what Brandon Nimmo and most notably Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, when they traded away their closer, he said, I have to have a conversation with Bill mm. Epler. Oh, mm. I got to talk to that guy. What's going on here? What's what's their plan? And so to our understanding, and Max Scherzer was very open about it afterwards, they had that conversation the next day. And the day after that, Max Scherzer was on the Rangers. So what item are we going to use to represent this moment in time when the Mets blew it all up? So good. So good. Um, We're going to use the sanitizer on Billy Epler's desk that he presumably used after shaking Max Scherzer's hand goodbye. (laughs) This assumes a number of things. One, Billy Epler has sanitizer. Two, he used it. Three, he shook Max Scherzer's hand. Max Scherzer's hand has been known to have some sticky goop on it. True. Same. Especially this year. history there. So we're going to go ahead and put that sanitizer in there. I love that. Very specific. Uh, And and as always, he says, if you think there's a better item to represent any of these moments, let us know. Baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. And this next moment certainly has a lot to choose from. We kept it pretty simple. August 5th, we had a little bit of a throwdown, Jake, in Cleveland. A little bit. Ohio. A little bit, a little bit of a throwdown? Yeah. Oh, uh, Tim Anderson got his clock rocked by Jose Ramirez after the two men squared up at second base. A slide from Ramirez under TA's legs pissed off kind of both dudes. And there was a very clear winner and a loser. One guy ended up with his butt on the ground. The other ended up with his hands in the air. T.A. down, J-Ram up. So we're going to take T.A.'s Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson, an iconic call. We're going to take T.A. 7, Tim Anderson's glove, his baseball glove that he took off and threw to the ground before he squared up with Jose Ramirez. Mm. Again, lots to choose from from that fight. But that moment, certainly one of the biggest moments of the season. We move to August 10th, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Michael Lorenzen, who had arrived... From the Tigers at the trade deadline, making his home debut at Citizens Bank Park. And what does he do? He throws a no-frickin'-hitter. Oh, my goodness. Very impressive stuff for Mr. Lorenzen. How did he do it? He threw a bunch of pitches, and he didn't allow any hits. But most notably, Jake Mintz, he was wearing Vans. Not Vans, like just actual Vans, but Vans Styles 
Vans stylized cleats. I mean, they were Vans with, with spikes on them. Now, here's the problem. These Vans that Michael Lorenzen wore have already been sent to the Hall of Fame. So, you know, we could go into the Hall of Fame, talk to the people over there, say, look, we need these for the time capsule. This is important. But I think here's a better item, since we can pick anything we want. And, you know, logic and reason and rationale doesn't really matter. I want the first pair of Vans Michael Lorenzen ever wore. Because there was a point in his life when he became the skater boy that he did in Southern California. And I want to know that pair at what age I want I want that pair of Vans because that is the reason that he ends up wearing Vans on a big league field to throw a no-hitter. It's it's those it's that pair of shoes, not the ones he's actually wearing for the no-hitter. The baby Vans, the yes. baby Vans. I've never uh, admission never owned a pair of Vans, no free ads. Let's move on from Michael <laughs> Lorenzen who did not end up even being a starting pitcher in the playoffs mm. for the Phillies cuz this not even close. His starts after the no-no were so bad. Um Julio Rodriguez was yes. good at right. He was good for a yeah, stretch. He got out. He was good. Let's go from no from a no hitter to the most hits in four games in Major League Baseball history. August or like Major League Baseball history hits to yeah. So Julio, uh, though he <laughs> again, it was like most of his season is like oh he's striking out too much. Oh he's he's doing too much. Blah 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 blah. It's like still finished fourth in MVP. Um, fourth in MVP. And broke a literal major league record. 17 hits in four games. And so we are going to take a flaming bat. Shouts out home run baseball camp. We are going to take a flaming bat. One of Julio's bats just doused in gasoline and lit on fire. Uh, because that is no, no one has literally been hotter over a four game stretch than Julio Rodriguez in August. And so we are going to take that flaming bat and throw it in with the chicken parm and the vans uh, and the hand sanitizer. This is a very flammable um, uh, time capsule right now. Boom shakalaka. Uh, August 23rd. By this point, the Angels of Anaheim had fallen. They went for it at the trade deadline, acquiring Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, um, and a host of others. Did not end particularly well. They hit quite a skid in August, as a lot of people predicted, because their schedule was very difficult. They fell out of the race, and then, oh, God, on August 23rd, GM Perry Manassian took the podium after a doubleheader and delivered some of the most devastating news ever given uh, no deaths or crimes category, saying, Mike Trout will go back on the IL, tried to swing, didn't feel good, we're going to give him some rest. And Shohei Otani, obviously, Shohei left today's game. He does have a tear. He does. We'll get a second opinion and does have a do the whole process. He does have a tear. Yeah. Um, and we'll, uh, he's not going to pitch the rest of the year. So yeah. he's kind of day to day. Shohei would continue to hit from that point forward for a little bit until he hurt his oblique, which was amazing. He hit in the second game of the doubleheader after tearing his UCL in the first game. Remarkable stuff. But this moment was so unforgettable of the just the despair on Perry Manassian's face. And the, the, the just like the the lack of zip and hope in his voice. We're going to take that microphone that he uttered these devastating words into, and we're going to put it into our time capsule. Mm. Oh man, what a what a moment! I just he does have a tear. He does actually have a tear. He does have a tear. Does 
Does have a tear. Does. Also, Mike Trout, like one of the base, best players of all time. Yeah, he's hurt again. He's actually going awesome. back on the IL. Yeah. He, I, if I was a GM, yeah, every day I'd do, our ace does not have a tear. There's nothing <laughs> wrong. Talk to you tomorrow. Uh, all right. Let's fast forward to the end of the regular season. We haven't talked about the big big old bases yet, Jake Mitz. And it's time that to big. talk about Ronald Acuna Jr., who stole 70 base. What the? F- is that is that right? Do we have this correct on here? 73. 73. Well, the base he stole for number 70 on September 27th. That he rose into the air. That he lifted up like he was Ricky Henderson and said, look at me. Sorry, Cubs. I know your season is spiraling, but this is a me moment. And guess what? He was right. Because Ronald Acuna Jr. was the unanimous MVP. He is the best position player in baseball. He is amazing. And I love Ronald. And most importantly, that base he held up. You know what? It was more impressive than what Ricky did. Because it was heavier than the base that Ricky lifted up. Mm. It was so much bigger. The pizza box. The pizza boxes that line Major League Baseball fields across this country. And enabled a 40% increase in stolen bases over last season. We love it. We love to see it. The bases are bigger. Steals were up. And Ronald Acuna was the face of that new era of baseball. And so we will take that base, which is also probably in the Hall of Fame. And we will take it. We will take it for ourselves. And it will go in the time capsule. Thank you, Ronald, for an amazing, amazing season. Cardi B rapped about bloody shoes. Mm. But we're going to talk about muddy shoes. Because Explain. the next thing going into our time capsule is Skip Schumacher's Muddy Shoes from the September 29th rain delay suspended chaos at City Field. Skip, who was the first year manager of the Marlins, was phenomenal this season. One manager of the year. His team was 33 and 14 in one run games. One of the best, just like a comically good mark. Um, but this game, the Muddy Shoe game, September 29th, remember, they were down 1-0 all game. They scored two runs to take the lead in the top of the ninth. Game gets banged because of rain. I was there with all my Little Leaguers. Game gets banged because of rain. They don't end up playing it because they don't need to. That counts as a loss in the one-run game column because it's as if the the top of the ninth never happened. It would have been another win in the one-run column. So it's just like the only thing that could stop them from winning one-run games was (laughs) – Mother Nature. Yes. And we wanted to represent Skip. We wanted to represent the Marlins. Uh, incredible. Uh, this is as terrible as they looked against the Phillies. Them making the playoffs is an amazing achievement. And remember, they were not the last team in. They would have been in, in that other year. You know, it was the, the Diamondbacks were the last team in, not the Marlins because of how this season uh, ended. And so, uh, I mean, what a, what a fun year. And Skip Schumacher certainly impressed a lot. Um, so we will put his muddy uh, Schumachers into the time capsule. Next up, Miguel Cabrera finished playing baseball this year. He was Thank God, not, dude. <laughs> he is uh, not playing baseball anymore, but he's one of the greatest players of all time. So we wanted to represent him in this send-off. Where these last few are uh, versions of send-offs. And in the final day of the season, Miguel Cabrera... They were like, hey, you know what would be funny? If Miguel Cabrera plays defense, wouldn't that be hilarious? Miguel Cabrera's like, oh, yeah, let's do it. Ha, ha, ha. And then he's like, wait, I don't, I don't, have, a gl- I don't, own a gl- I don't have a glove ready because I've been a DH for years. What the hell? I'm not playing first base. Spencer Torkelson, of course, the next generation, Tiger Slugger, says, hey, I got you, Miggy. No problem. Here's my glove. 
so you can make this sick play to finish your career, which is exactly what he did. And we will take that glove that Spencer Torkelson donated, donated to the man in need of a glove, Miguel Cabrera. And uh, we will take that. We will take Torque's glove, which he also will probably hopefully not need that much if he's hitting enough. And it will go into our time capsule. Thank you, Mr. Torkelson. We appreciate it. I, I love the idea of donating something to a man who, in his career, made $400 million. <laughs> he didn't have one. So, sorry. He was needy. In that moment, he was needy. Uh, one more send-off. Two more send-offs, although one's a little bit different. Adam Wainwright. Oh, Cardinals season it was difficult for him to finally get that 200th win, which he did on September 18th. What a moment. But... The real way that he finished his season was on stage, playing guitar, concert at Bush Stadium, the highlight of the Cardinals season, all the fans applauding Mr. Wainwright, who I'm sure we'll be seeing plenty on TV in the coming years, which is great. He was fantastic on the postseason broadcast. Gotta love Wayno. But we will take that guitar from the concert and we will say, no, I don't want this. Is, this is also good because I would rather Adam Wainwright be on TV talking about baseball than making country music. So let's take that guitar away from him and put it in the time capsule. He can make country music in private, in the comfort of his own home. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't need it. Like no. I, I respect that he's doing it. Yep. Um, that he's making music. That's yep. awesome. I'm yep. not gonna listen to it alone. Maybe in a group. I would listen to it in a group of other sure. people, but not alone. So I'm gonna take that guitar away from you, Wayno, respectfully. Yep. Uh, speaking of respect, no one shows more respect than Joseph Daniel Votto, who seems to have finished his career with the Cincinnati Reds, and he did so, as he does everything, with grace, with purpose, and with care. After the Reds, this is actually a uh, after the, the season was over moment, but after the Reds declined his option, Votto sat down and delivered a message to the Reds fans, and we're going to take the Red deck chair that he sat in, presumably at his nice house in Canada somewhere, and delivered that uh, speech, those words to Reds fans. So we'll take that red chair. Yeah, of course, the Vado had his actual send-off on field uh, at the end of the season, which was which was amazing. And again, as I mentioned, you know, being around the Vado end of his Reds career was was something this year. But again, we we hopefully we'll see him play baseball in 2024. We don't know where yet, but it does not seem like it will be in Cincinnati. So that red chair will go into our time capsule. All right, Jake, it's postseason time. Let's begin with the Minnesota Twins. They did it. Oh, it's over. They finally won a playoff game, whole playoff series even. How about that? We're going to take Royce Lewis's headband. Now, Royce Lewis's headband, part of this is because Royce Lewis is awesome. He was one of their best players this season, arguably the, the their best player this season when he was on the field and healthy. Grand Slams, regular season, he's doing it in the playoffs. He's, he's, I mean, again, what a player. Clearly a foundational piece that they expected when they drafted him first overall. But I know the headband is more than just that, you know, Royce Lewis is wearing it, right? Bald. <laughs> he is, he is really, he has a great chance to make bald cool for under 25 people. Bald. <laughs> Big goatee, young. So bald. Just so bald. Just remarkably bald, right? Uh, again, someone, you know, we, we don't have a Corbin Carroll specific item here. Corbin Carroll's goatee at his young age is also a little strange, but he's got a healthy head of hair. Royce Lewis. And a weird haircut. 
and a very weird haircut, but Royce Lewis, not so much. Anyway, great. Royce Lewis headband into the time capsule. Uh, next up, uh, I'm trying to think if this is in order here, because I think Kershaw getting blasted happens before Orlando Arcia says attaboy. Is that, I believe. I don't remember much from that week. Okay, fair enough. Yes, let's correct. Do, let's do Kershaw first. Thank you, Chris. Um, the Diamondbacks, ever heard of them? They yeah. sent Clayton Kershaw into the great beyond and so fast that we don't even believe he got to use the Ronson bag on the mound because of how quickly he was uh, ejected from the game by his own performance. <laughs> yeah, he was so, sent, I think yes. I, when I, I, I described him as being sent up state. <laughs> so Clayton Kershaw uh, being just crushed by the D-backs in that first game. And really set the tone. You know, we saw the D-backs beat Milwaukee, and it's like, oh, but can they do it against the Do- – yep, 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 yeah, they can. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. <laughs> it was so – it was like, oh, shit, they're, they are not messing around here. So we're taking that rosin bag that Kershaw probably didn't even get to use. We are putting it into the time capsule. Did something happen in the Braves-Phillies uh, series, Jake? No, I missed it. So I'm pretty sure there was like this play where at the end of the game, really amazing catch. I think I think it was Harper got thrown out. Pretty sure Harper gets nope. thrown out, and then afterwards, in the Braves clubhouse, this is crazy. You, you, I can't believe we didn't talk about this. Braves clubhouse, Orlando Arcia, the starting shortstop for the National League All Star team. So this is like a big big star. Okay, kinda though. Yeah, big star, big guy on the Braves. He was he was like, oh, Harper, that dummy. You know, what a guy. Add a boy. Add a boy, Harper. Add a boy. 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 He said it. Oh, and someone heard that? What the hell? He said it once or? No, he just kept saying it. Just kept saying it over and over. And was it a private conversation or was it screamed in a room full of reporters? It was not only was yelled, it was also there was some cackling, literal cackling. Ha 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 ha! boy Harper! Ha ha ha! boy Harper! Wow! And this was reported by multiple outlets. It was. It was. But then you won't even believe what happened next, though. Okay, this is where it's really wild. So then Bryce Harper finds out about this. This is nuts. This is nuts. Like what? You wouldn't want Bryce Harper to find out about this. And then because he, of that, he wasn't supposed to hear that. He wasn't. Oh, he what? He wasn't. But he did. And then later on, like the next game, right? Bryce Harper, he actually he hit he hit some home runs, and he wasn't going to do that. But then when he heard that, he was like, "I should hit these home runs." Wow! Hits home runs. He looks at Orlando Arcia again, starting shortstop for the National League All Star team. He spicy. looks spicy. Whoa! Spicy. Phillies fans love it. They're like, "Damn, we love this Bryce guy." Phillies go on. They actually win the series, and then they celebrate. You know, Garrett Stubbs is wearing overalls, and Orion Kirkering, the rookie reliever is wearing a shirt that says Attaboy Harper. Oh, can you huh. admit, can you believe that this became this like big thing? Like there were people who had signs. It sounds nuts, but like you'll go back. I'll, I'll it, send you some clips. It all se- seems very innocuous to me. No, no, it was like the biggest story in baseball actually, yeah. Really? Yeah. Biggest story. Yeah. Wow. Bryce Harper See, was you know like, what? no, we're going to make this a big deal. I missed this because I'm a jack-off podcaster. 
That's who true. doesn't know the pulse of the teams. So I I must have just glossed over it. Well, you'll go you'll you'll catch up on that. But we're going to take that t-shirt that Orion Kirkering was wearing. We are going to put it in the time capsule. That shirt that says Attaboy Harper. Many there were a lot of Attaboy Harper, you know, there were signs and shirts and all kinds of fun stuff, but we're going to take that one from Ryan Kirkering that that champagne soaked shirt mm. from Ryan Kirkering and it's going to the time so capsule. So I I'm not I'll, I'll tell a quick story. I got a text from a friend that week, an old friend who said, "Hey, is it like a show of support to you if I buy an Attaboy Harper shirt? Like does that help you and i was like it's hard for me to describe how much that does not help me (laughs) not only does like i don't make money off of that in any way shape or form i did not say it it is not about me right no and in fact i would say buying a shirt only keeps it alive more at the time and makes me incrementally more tired so just so you know, I was, a, I don't know if I ever told you about that, but someone was like, that helps you, right? I was like, no, no. not even a little Or at bit. least I'm in the scenario where you were like directly involved in that, which you obviously weren't. Let's move on to the National League Championship Series where Bryce Harper and the Phillies faced off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. <gasps> the Diamondbacks, what the hell are they doing in the NLCS? Seems like a one-sided matchup to me. So the Phillies, they, they, they're looking good. They go up 2-0. In the series. And they go back to game three. And early on in game three, again, Diamondbacks not looking good. Down 2-0. Down 2-0 against the Phillies. Can't stop the Phillies. Phillies are going back to the World Series again. Clearly. Early on in game three. Oh, what is the broadcast show? Some gentleman holding up a, a just a sheet of paper that says snakes alive. They're not alive. They're down 2-0 to the Phillies. And they they they're, there's no, what what are you talking about? Turns out, Jake, they were pretty. That was talk about talk about you know flaming hot takes. I mean, this guy absolutely nailed it. And uh, let me look up. I just want to make sure I get credit for the, the gentleman that was holding this this uh, sheet of paper that says "Snakes Alive" up because I know Sam Blum wrote a great story on it. But um, this, I mean, yeah, this is an iconic piece of paper. And I don't know if that piece of paper where that piece of paper is, but I would like to find it. And I would like to put it in our time capsule because the snakes were were indeed alive. I hope that man has framed it and put it into his home. Jeff, Jeff Gazzardo. Shouts out to Jeff Gazzardo. That is his, but now it is uh, my ours. Name, my name, my name, Jeff. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I want to add one. Garrett okay. Stubbs, friend of the show. My dude, we're going to go ahead and put your your pool floaties into the time capsule as well. Mm. After you said you, you know, he said, if we win, we'll go in the pool. They did not. <laughs> Sorry, Garrett. Sorry, Hashtag Garrett. Hashtag protect the pool. The snakes were too alive. Uh, if Again, if they were a little bit less alive, Garrett Stubbs might have been, you know, cannonballing. But instead, that was not the case. Diamondbacks go to the World Series. And who are they facing off against? The Texas Rangers, how did they get there? They beat the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros lost. They they lost. What what happened? What happened in this ALCS? Uh, I, I don't know. I guess I you was, didn't really watch it. So yeah, I wasn't really in kind on of the that. wrong one. All <laughs> I know, yeah, all I know is that the Astros lost and they're done. They're done forever. Mm-hmm. And that means that Dusty Baker, his managerial career is likely done. He stepped down. Uh, I think I think it seems safe. I think well, seems, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll come back. But 
don't Who think knows? So. Uh, we're, a legendary career. Iconic. Memorable. We're going to take his last toothpick and put it into the time capsule, which, by the way, not a toothpick. It's actually a chewing stick. Mm. What's um, the difference? You chew it and it's minty. I see. You're not using it to, you know, pick gunk out. It's Correct. Like you're, you are meant to chew. Bingo. Which Dusty Baker did many, many, many times in those dugouts over all those years. And so we will take that last chewing stick and we will put it into the time capsule. Salute to you, Dusty. Now the Astros lost. That means that the Rangers won. A lot of Rangers related things to do. So we're going to finish with four Rangers items before we say goodbye and close this time capsule. The first one is Evan Carter's vertical driver's license. Now, I think this is actually like probably one of the most perfect items. Because for those of you who don't, uh, you you know, you're, you're a person in America, but maybe if you're listening, you're not in America. Your driver's license, a, a good way to, is how you usually show, yeah, I'm 21, you give me alcohol. If that license is vertical, that means you are not 21. That is, uh, you are not a 21-year-old person. Chris, do you know this? I had no idea that was the Okay, case. yes. So, when you turn 21, you, you get your license turned uh, horizontal, and so it is just easier for, you know, cops to check your all your, your fake IDs and non-fake IDs, whatever. Anyway, the point is, is that Evan Carter, who turned 21 in August, reportedly still rocking the vertical driver's license. So now... He is 21, and you could see his birthday says he's 21, but he still has a license that indicated that he had before he was 21, which now we are going to take away from him and say, Evan, you need to go get a horizontal driver's license, dude. Okay? You won the World Series. You don't know any better. I know you said job's not finished. The job's not finished and that you still have a, a vertical driver's license. Okay? You need to go get a horizontal driver's license. We need to figure that out. Okay, I know. I'm sure you got a lot of things to celebrate. I just saw he had a whole parade in his hometown of Elizabeth in Tennessee. He's is oh the so it's Evan Carter Day. The whole thing, right? He's a child. All of this is happening very fast. Let's just make sure we get the proper driver's license in the state of Texas, where he will likely be for a very, 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 very long time. <laughs> and so, there you go, Evan Carter. We are taking that vertical license from you. Adolis Garcia mm. was the best player of October. Corey Seager was the main character at the end because he was the MVP and Garcia got hurt. But we're going to take a 65-pound weight from Adolis Garcia's gym that he uses to curl with, and we're going to put it into the time capsule. Jordan, you are not a weightlifter. No. No, sir. What do you think is like a normal amount of pounds to curl? Is that something that you have any sense for? Yes, I I actually... I was going to say, because 65, I mean, you didn't pick that number by accident. I don't think I've ever seen, for curls, I don't think I've seen above 50. Is I that... think, yeah. That I mean, there are probably some freakos who could do it. <laughs> well, we're talking about one of them. So I, I love this. Yeah. I love this item. But but yeah, you tell me. You tell me, Mr. Mr. Weightlifter. What, what, well, what I, is... I'm not a weightlifter. I'm a very normal gym goer. I just but know fine. that okay, you so, are. But then, but then, what, then what's I the would... answer? I don't know. Well, it depends that, you know, am I going to do, you know, three sets of 10? Am I doing two sets of two? Like, what am I trying to do here? Uh, 65 is probably a lot. I would say, <laughs> I would say it's a lot. Yeah. Maybe I'm exposing, like for I'm both? exposing myself as a weakling. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know, man. I just feel like for Adolis Garcia, there's a lot, there was a lot going on with him this, this postseason, right? So it's kind of hard to pick just one thing. 
But every time he stepped on the, on the, you know, to the plate or he was shown, it was like, holy crap, that dude is, is ripped beyond belief. And I have to imagine that the weight's assigned to do with it. So I like this pick. And I like Adolis Garcia a lot. Are I just Googled a hundred pound dumbbell curl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll report back later. Okay. A hundred pound dumbbell. All right. Well, we'll we'll do some more research on that. But yeah, obviously Adolis has to be represented. Um, okay, we have two more items. One of them, this is one that again, if you showed it to us at the beginning of the season, you'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Gotta have something Creed related. We know it was became, you know, the anthem of this Texas Rangers run for whatever reason. And so, because we know, like, all right, well, when are they listening to this? How, when are they playing this? They're playing it after wins. They're playing it on the road. They're playing it at home, home clubhouse. We are going to grab that actual aux cord that whoever was using to plug in to their respective iPhone and blast, can you take me higher? And that aux cord is going in the time capsule because that clearly was fueling much of this Rangers run. But that is not our final item, Jake. Our final item has to be Corey Seager. It has to be Corey Seager. And what item could we possibly come up with for a man who says so little and and exhibits such little spice as Corey Seager? And I think you have found the answer, Jake. Dear Diary, does Corey Seager have a diary? I don't know. But if he does, it's ours now. You're not supposed to read a teenager's diary. Corey Seager is an adult, which means we can do whatever we want with his diary. And I want to know what makes this man tick. I want to know his innermost thoughts. I want to know whether he prefers Coca-Cola or Pepsi. If you asked him, he would say liquids are great. And he, he would, would not say, pick something. just trying to win a ball game. Just like, trying to win a ball game. Is there more here? People have told me that there's more zip underneath the hood, that there is spice in the oven. I have yet to see it. I would like to take his diary. All right. Corey Seager's diary. It is all ours. Sorry, dude. Um, now you are too famous and we we need this. And, and, and hey, if it makes Corey Seager feel any better, we are not opening this time capsule for a long time. And so he will be long. We'll all be long gone. It's not like he's going to be embarrassed by any of these things. We'll all be long gone by the time his time capsule is open. But we want the people of the future to understand that there was or wasn't more to Corey Seager, whose status as a superstar in this game rose more than almost anybody else we had this season, this season of 2023 in Major League Baseball. That's it, Jake. We produced a time capsule. If you disagree with any of our items or have better suggestions for items, let us know. Email baseball barbacast at gmail.com that's b-a-r-b-cast those emails have been great we'll hopefully be getting to more of those as the offseason rolls on we will be back next week on monday with our shohei otani special episode it's about time we talk about that otani fella in full i will also just tease this now if you have not watched the shohei otani documentary on espn plus i know they talked about it on effectively wild but that will be heavily referenced i'm sure uh, at least to some degree on our Shohei Otani preview. So definitely recommend checking that out over the holiday weekend. But um, that's it. We did the podcast. Thank you all for listening. Hopefully everyone has uh, a safe and easy travel uh, days during during the holidays, during Thanksgiving. Not a fun time to travel, but hopefully everyone is enjoying this podcast, whether they are driving, they are flying, they are walking, they are skateboarding, 
uh, whatever, however you are commuting during Thanksgiving. We hopefully you are enjoying this podcast. So thanks for all for listening. Thank you, Chris Tyler, for producing. Thank you, Jake Mintz, for co-hosting. And we will talk to you all next week. Going to go lift some 100-pound dumbbells. All right. Good luck with that. Serious XM Podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.